0: Welcome to the fight with Teddy Atlas, presented by Dynamic Striking. I'm Ken Rideout, joined as always by legendary broadcaster Teddy Atlas. Teddy, how you doing? Good, Ken. Do you have a nice Thanksgiving?
1: Yeah, thanks for asking. Had a very good Thanksgiving. Split it up between the families. We couldn't all be together. We went to Vegas. Me and my wife, we went out there, me and Elaine, to see my son. Of course, he works for the Raiders. He lives in Vegas. We, we haven't seen our grandson for a while out there, little Teddy the fourth, T4, <laughs> as they call him. And um, so we went out there to see Teddy, his wife, and his son, spent Thanksgiving with them. And my daughter, Nicole, and her husband, Jeff, and our two grandchildren here were here. Um, so we kind of, you know, like I said, we split it up, couldn't all be together. We're all going to go out together to Christmas. Uh, it's hard for Elaine, uh, for Nicole, to get the two kids, you know, to Vegas. For, she's got a little girl, one, uh, little Mara, and then little Joseph, my little buddy. Uh, he's three, so it's it's hard to get them, you know, to fly all the way across the country too often, so we're going to all go out in Christmas and be together in Vegas in Christmas. It'll be a Las Vegas Christmas. A oh, Nice. Um, but we it was it was just great being together, and you know I was scared going out there because we don't see my son's son uh enough, and we live here with our other two grandchildren, so that takes care of itself we We get up in, in the morning with them, go to bed with them, you know at night, say goodnight night to them uh sit down, and watch movies with them, putting them to bed. Uh, eat dinner, you know, we're, we're with them all the time. But the little guy out there, we get scared that he's going to forget us. And when we got there, I'm nervous. I'm nervous walking in that, you know, how's he going to react? And that lasted about a half a second as he ran and jumped in my arms. Nice. And th- did the same thing with Elaine. And uh, it, it really, it, it's a... It makes you feel so good. It makes you forget anything that might be going on that might not be the greatest things going on in the world. Uh, it makes you forget all that real quick. Yep. Uh, the love of a grandson. And, of course, you have your your young kids. How did your Thanksgiving go?
0: Yeah, good. It was like, uh, you know... Quarantine uh, Groundhog Day, just with a, a turkey in the middle of the table, but it was nice. The kids always do um, uh, lists of things that they're thankful for, and that was nice. It's always nice to oh, hear them fr- change from year to year as they grow up.
1: Uh, that's smart. That's smart. I know that's your wife's idea. But that's, <laughs> of course. Uh, that, yeah. <laughs> that's you're not smart. I mean, you you Of course, you are. But she's a little, a little. Uh, she's special, and um, no, it's, that's great. And at, li- at least you didn't have Roy Jones' head in the middle of your
0: table. You know?
1: I mean, right? <laughs> I think
0: Roy Jones is still breathing heavy from the fight.
1: I mean, you know, you, you saw that that little pre-fight uh, uh, publicity where Tyson sat down with Jones' head on a platter. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then
0: <laughs> uh, that's good. Uh, anyway, that's that's a good way to kick it off. Hey guys, today's episode is sponsored by PowerDot. Check these guys out at powerdot.com. I love this product. Uh, full disclosure, I'm an investor in the company. If you're looking for an early Christmas gift for the athlete in your life, please check them out. Some of the benefits that PowerDot provides is it promotes circulation to help muscles recover quickly between workouts, it relieves pain by stimulating nerves and it is awesome for helping to rehab from injuries by increasing circulation and activating the muscle fibers around the injured area. PowerDot has a new smart recovery feature which is incredibly intuitive. It integrates with Strava and Apple Health, which tracks your workouts and then provides customized recovery programs based on your activities. It'll guide you through each program from start to finish. It couldn't be easier to use. It even comes with a picture book to tell you how to use it power um, PowerDots used by the world's top athletes. Check out the Pro Bundle to save save $25 plus an additional 20% off when you use the promo code ATLAS. That's atlas A-T-L-A-S. PowerDot is given 20% off to all listeners with the code atlas Do your body a favor and go to powerdot.com/slash atlas and experience personalized muscle recovery. As a special thank you to all of our listeners, we're going to cover the purchase cost of one out of every five people who buy a PowerDot this week using the promo code ATLAS. Just send your receipt to hithardmedia.com and you'll be entered into the contest. Again, thefight@hithardmedia.com for a 20% chance to win a free PowerDot unit. <laughs> Before we jump into things, I just want to remind people if they didn't see the... Um, the annual uh, Dr. Atlas Foundation virtual teddy dinner this year. Um, It's still up on YouTube. We're going to leave it up there. If you missed it, please check it out. The episode was incredible. We interviewed Evander Holyfield, Daniel Cormier, Ariel Hawani, the great Dickie V, Tony Danza, and the great Phil Sims, Super Bowl MVP. Awesome interviews. I think everyone will find them very entertaining. Um, with that said, let's get into the action from this weekend. Before we get into the Jones um, Tyson card, let's talk about the the Zone card. Joe Joyce, Daniel Dubois, uh, much anticipated battle of uh, coveted prospects in the heavyweight division. Two British guys. Um, Joe Joyce coming in looking lean and ripped versus what he looked like in July. I think there's a before and after picture up there. But um, basically, Joe Joyce closed Daniel Dubois' eye with uh, jabs. Uh, Dubois, eventually in the 10th round, just took a knee and eventually just submitted. Um, Some people will say he quit. Other people will say he did the right thing in preserving his eye. The eye was completely closed. It was a mess. But um, yeah, curious to get your thoughts on that one.
1: Yeah, for the European heavyweight title, it's it's their it's their entrance fight to the you know to the contenderships to the uh, challenges for a world title. Uh, Joyce winning the fight will now be in line to get a shot at one of these belts pretty soon. So it was a big fight, uh, two undefeated fighters, and the boy much more developed, much much more sophisticated. Uh, you know he's much more finesse to him, uh, just more developed. Uh, he he was. I'm not afraid to say it. He was the better fighter in that aspect of the game, but that's not all dimensions of the game. You got to be mentally this. You got to be you know. There's there's all dimensions. But as far as being more rounded and developed uh, at his trade. He's more developed. The other guy's bigger and stronger. Uh, Joyce, silver medalist f- from the Olympics. Uh, both of them across, from across the pond are great brothers and sisters. Happy Thanksgiving over there, guys. Um, you know, he reminds me, Joyce, of a young George Foreman. Big, strong guy who's raw. George was raw. And raw, uh not developed in in certain areas as far as as I touched on with you know, with Joyce uh, against Du Bois like Du more just just more more developed. Uh, uh, snappier with his punches, uh, defence better. Uh you know, one of the things that you saw with with Joyce is he's not that kind of everyone's different. He's not that snappy explosive puncher like a Tyson, a Joe Lewis, you know, anything like that. He's a he's that bludgeoning guy. He he hits you with a jab that's like a foam pole, you know, like George Foreman had. George Foreman had that foam pole, uh, just heavy-handed jab, and not not the quick hands, nothing like that. Just just a big, bludgeoning puncher, that that just uh, it can swell you up, it can knock you out, it can wear you down. But he's a guy who's in front of you who's exposed to a decent boxer. And Dubois, or Dubois, was a decent boxer. And he was exposed to him. And I had Dubois winning handily. I don't know, I think you said the judges, had two of them had him up.
0: Two of the three judges had Dubois winning at the time that he um, took the knee.
1: The other judge, I don't know where that judge was. Maybe he wasn't across the pond. Maybe he was... You know, maybe it was somewhere else, um, in another part of the uh, of the some other hemisphere somewhere that we haven't discovered yet, uh, <laughs> because I don't know what he was watching. Right, can he had it like uh, like the ball didn't even get to the arena?
0: Yeah, I think he had. Um, I think he had his scorecard filled out before the fight started.
1: Yeah, I mean it's absurd, uh, and and I don't know how you call that incompetence because i always say it's either corruption or incompetence how can you be that incompetent really how i don't know get a lawyer explain it to me but uh, hope hope to god they never have a, these people out there but i hope they never have a real national international commission with a czar and the Czar somehow gets named Teddy Atlas because they all better start looking for work <laughs> they 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 all better start looking for a, a, a new a, a new way a new way of making a living uh, because pink ship pink slips are going out on Monday a lot of pink slips <laughs> a lot we're gonna we're gonna kill a lot of trees I'm sorry I love the environment but for this it's worth it we're gonna kill some trees but He's winning the fight. I mean, he's punching the crap out of Joyce, exposing Joyce for a guy who, yeah, he's a big heavy puncher, but he's slow, he's in front of you, he's predictable, he's one-dimensional, and he's available. And in spots, he's hitting him with jabs and right hands almost any time he wants, uh, Dubois. And you can argue that it was a little bit like watching Chavez... Meldrick Taylor, years ago. And I know I, I asked Rob to get some pictures up before we started. I'm going to ask him to get this one up when he can. But that fight, Meldrick Taylor and Julio Cesar Chavez Sr. was where Chavez is losing the fight. Meldrick Taylor is, is catching them shots and he's outspeeding them, out-maneuvering them out finessing him, but Chavez is steady and he's heavy-handed and he just keeps coming and keeps coming and keeps coming. And you start to see the residual effect on the face of Chavez later on. And not Chavez, on Taylor, Meldrick Taylor later in a fight. It's a 15-round fight back then. And you start to see him puffed up, blown up. Uh, And then, of course, the very controversial spot where Richard Steele stops the fight with like seconds left in the 15th round. Taylor's ahead, and he stops it. Um, you know, which everybody questioned. But the point is that Taylor's winning the battles, but the war was starting to be won by Chavez. He, he, his punches were having more impact, more effect as the fight went on, than Taylor's were, even though Taylor was out speeding him and catching him a lot. And it was a little bit similar to that. Dubois was catching him with quick punches and snapping his head back, the head of uh, Joyce. Uh, but Joyce was hitting him with that hard telephone pole jab and having its effect, where it started to swell up the eye of Dubois, where it got to the point in the 10th round where his eye was closed. And what happened was that Dubois, obviously he was feeling broken down mentally and physically. And as it turned out, I believe that he had a broken orbital bone in that left eye. I I believe that that's, that's what it was. I don't know if you have some of that information there, but I believe that Dubois did... Uh, they did confirm or there was a report out there that Duar had a broken orbital bone, yeah in his he, left yeah eye.
0: Rob is confirming right? that that is being reported,
1: yeah, see, I want to always be on those things, so we 're fair about everything that we 're going to put forward, and of course, you don 't know that during the time you don 't have an x ray machine in your corner, but uh you know, and we 're going to get a picture of that eye. You can see the eye is closed,
0: yeah, broken eye socket, now,
1: yeah, now listen. He took a knee in the tenth round. he He broke the code of a fighter. You're not supposed to submit. Uh, it happens. We understand that, but it is it is an unwritten code that uh, for, for me, if you looked in Webster 's dictionary for the definition of a fighter, it wouldn't be quick hands, quick feet, uh you know, uh, very agile, you know, great boxer. No, it would be someone who overcomes. The capacity to overcome. The capacity to find a way. When it's difficult to find a way. And we want to see that. Now, listen, I get the other side. He had a broken orbital bone. He didn't know that till later. But he had a swollen eye. He had one eye. Carmen Basilio had one eye, 15 rounds with Sugar Ray Robinson. All right. I'm just saying. Muhammad Ali had a broken jaw in the second round against Ken Norton in their first fight. You know, uh, Sugar Ray Leonard had a swollen eye against Tommy Hearns in their first fight. Closed eye. So I'm just, you could argue both sides of the tracks. I get it. I do. I really do, Ken. But I also get it that these guys are in a different vocation. They've chosen that vocation. It's a dangerous vocation. They understand the risk of that vocation. They are fighters. Whether it's UFC, whether it's boxing, even football players, they know the risk. Hockey players, they get cut up and they get stitched in the locker room and they're back out on the ice. Frequently. stitches. (laughs) Weekly. Yeah. So you know we we're, we're not in the opera here. I'm not saying that we we minimize the risk to a human being. I get it, but they get it. You know, we we're, we're not in the opera. Th- they're fighters. And when you choose to be a fighter, you choose everything that goes with it. And that what goes with it for me is finding a way. There's exceptions. If a guy's hurt and he can't go on and he's, you know, he... But that wasn't the case here. I mean, he's hurt with his eye. I get it. And his vision was impaired. I get it. But again, we've had fighters that have won titles in that condition that have gone on and found a way. Found a way! So, for me, it's It's part of the responsibility you sign on. You know, when you sign on for certain things, there's a certain obligation that goes with it. a certain responsibility, commitment that goes with it. That's part of what goes with it. Now, it's never going to be to the level of our great military men and women. Never, never. But you can make a, a little analogy, a little parallel there. You sign up, baby, for the Marines the Army, the Navy, the Air Force, whatever military unit surface it happens to be, guess what? You get hurt out on that field, on that battlefield, on in your arena. That's their arena. You get hurt out in that arena. Uh, no, there's no timeouts. There's no, wait a minute, I think I need to get this checked. No. No, that's part of, well, it's part of your duty. But it's it's part of what you took on. It's part... Actually, it was always going to be that. If you really look at it in a serious way, it was always going to be at some point as a fighter, you were going to get hurt. And it was always going to be not how you performed when you were well, but how you performed when you were hurt. It was always going to be that. I know that's looking at it in a... in a straightforward some people say harsh, but really honest way. You sign up as a fighter It's always about when does that day come when he's hurt when when he's not right, when he's not normal, when he's not a hundred percent. What will we do that day? What will we do? It's always about that. I know we don't think that. We say no, it's about using your jab and moving and out slicking the guy. yeah, that's what you. Trained to do and hope to do, yeah. But the reality, the reality is always about you signed up that one day in a vocation that one day is going to call you to a place that not everyone gets called to. Not everyone gets called to. And when you call to that place, what will you do? As I used to say on ESPN all the time when I was sitting ringside, corner fights. It's not about fighting like a fighter. Comes some days to behaving like a fighter. When that day comes, how will you behave? What will you do? Anyway, he took a knee. Uh, he's not undefeated anymore, Dubois, and you know he got broken down. I'm I'm just saying that. Joyce is in a great position now. He's a big, strong guy. Again, reminds me of a young foreman. He's still crude. Uh, I was going to say that he needs more development, but I don't think he's getting it because I'm not knocking the people that have him. I don't know even know who they are. But if he was going to get it, he would have gotten it by now. You know, he's been through the Olympics. He's been through, you know, professional certain amount of professional fights. So... I don't think he's getting it right now if if he hasn't gotten it already. But he needs more development. But he's there. He's there in a good spot now to be one of the guys. One of the guys that's going to fight at some point for a title. And he, uh, for me, he was behind at that point. But he kept himself together mentally. Give him credit for that. Uh, And he's a big, strong guy. And he's going to be—he's now one of the names that you know, along with the Joshuas, and of course the we, the Fury and the Wilders, and you know all those those guys—the uh, the Whites, Dian White of Perfetkin, uh, you know all of those guys.
0: I don't have a list in front of me, but he's now one of those names. Did you, um, I, I, I think we talked earlier <clears throat> about the transformation in his body. Someone posted a before and after picture from July until um, fight night this weekend. Uh, before and after picture was quite dramatic. I mean, the fitness, the, the, the level of improvement in his body is astronomical. When I first saw it, I thought, oh, wow. In a couple years, he got really fit. But it was actually just, uh, you know, what's three or four months. There's the picture there. That's wow. quite a transformation.
1: Wow. I mean, listen, I, I, I'll i spit it out because, you know, I, I'm like, why put it off? PEDs, okay? I'm not saying, what I'm spitting out now, PEDs, is obviously, if you've got a brain in your head and you're half a sober person and an honest person, you're thinking that. You are thinking that. It doesn't mean it's right. It doesn't mean it's right. I'm just saying that's floating in the air soon as soon as a picture like that gets put out there on the internet somebody's suggesting that somebody in some realm is suggesting hey, maybe you should think of, i have no idea ken has no idea we have no clue and we're not accusing him of it at all but the pictures are out there we didn't put it out there so we show it to you um maybe he just got on the right diet he got fit uh you know and and that's it and that's the result but it, it it has to be out there. A lot of people doing these shows might not touch it because they don't want anybody not to like them. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want no one to like me. I, I don't want no one to yell at me. Uh, you know. But you know what? I don't care <laughs> if people... I, I just care. I don't care if people like me. I care if people can respect me that I try to be the same with everybody and that I try to use a process that's fair to everybody that questions what needs to be questioned in a proper way, in a responsible way and examines things that need to be examined if I'm going to put myself in a position to do that that I do it and I do it on all quarters on all realms, with all people and I do it responsibly that's that and that people can say, Yeah, I respect that. I don't always agree with them, but i I respect that uh that's that's and that I respect myself that that I'm gonna go about it in that kind of way all the time I, that that's what I hold myself to. Nobody has to hold me out there to any level of oh teddy I hold myself to it, and um because I want to have, I want to have the integrity that can make my children proud, and that hopefully made my father and mother proud. So I do the best I can in that area. And with again, with, when you see this, the other reason why you talk about it when it's presented, it's out there in boxing that you can't dispute. It's there, Ken. You know it. You know, you spent time with me. You've, you've been in the game now. You've been looking. You've been, and you, you have more of an understanding of that stuff than the average person. You've been in the, in the cycling business. You've been uh, around the greatest cycler you know, of all time, uh, Armstrong, who obviously had his problems. Um, I mean, you've been, you've been in that world. And you understand it. You understand the cycles of it. You understand the the methods that are used for hiding it, doing it. Uh,
0: I th- com- I think I think that the current state of PEDs is that they're using things and um, they're using like genetic mutations and different uh, cell reprogramming techniques that that. Unless you have a test for something that, unless you know what you're testing for, there's no test developed. And I just think that the biochemists that are floating around the fringes of the sport, they have developments that they haven't even thought of testing for yet. Because until someone essentially finds out what they're doing and then drops a dime on them to USADA or WADA, there's no way to test for some of these things. Um uh, anyway, I I, I, could, no, go no, I could go listen, on forever.
1: No, no, we couldn't. We, we've covered this before. We'll cover it again when we need to. We don't need to go further than we are right now. But um, boxing is rampant. Uh, yeah, I I finished. It's rampant with this stuff. It's just that we don't have. And and I'm not saying Joyce. Uh, Joyce is just. He's got genetics. He's a big, strong guy. Okay, so. I have no clue if he if he knows anything about that stuff, been anywhere near it. I'm just saying that it's in the sport. It's in the sport. It's been proven. Uh, and we don't have the regulation in place, the testing in place. I know we have FADA and USADA, but we don't have, first of all, it's, it's voluntary uh, i mean unless i'm wrong we don't have any mandatory testing in boxing
0: i think certain state commissions have definitely have mandatory testing but WADA, i think for boxers is a voluntary uh program
1: yeah i mean very few have v- mandatory testing and and even with the mandatory it's like at what level
0: yeah uh, well the the biggest challenge is that they have testing like let's say 10 to 12 weeks out but Again, most people think of that kind of PED testing as an intelligence test versus a PED test because unless you're unintelligent, you wouldn't take PEDs 8 to 10 weeks before the event. You'd be cycling on and off them in the off-season. That's why the WADA program is a 365, 24-7. You could be tested anytime, anywhere. You have to report your whereabouts. Very hard to beat that test unless, of course, you're doing things that they don't know to test for yet, which is a lot of times the case.
1: And and like I said, so you don't have... The stringent, I think I'm safe saying this, correct me if I'm wrong, but you don't have the stringent, infallible, I don't know if anything's infallible uh, other than Olympic-type testing, but you don't have the correct testing really in place to really, really eliminate this problem.
0: It's not in place. No, no. The bio passport is the best where they can test you and they keep track of all the tests and they can tell see fluctuations in different blood biomarkers. But those testing, when you know you're going to get tested, well, if you know you're going to get tested, it's obviously a way to beat that. Not to mention, like I said, there's things that they don't even know to test for that guys are doing, I'm pretty sure.
1: And too much of, again, is is voluntary. Like you have to agree to it. Like how many of the big names, what was it? Not that long ago, and some of those big fights remind me. Was it the Canelo? Was it was it Pacquiao? Was yeah, it Pacquiao? I think the
0: Pacquiao was the one that they were all talking about. They eventually well, said, both entered a, a protocol or a testing pool, but not the 24/7, no. hey, 365 Hey, listen, he
1: refused, and I'm not making accusations. Pacquiao is one of my favorite fighters of all time and favorite people. But I'm just saying, he, he said, "No, I'm not testing." All right, no problem. Uh, so, how are you gonna? You know, how are you going to eliminate a problem if it's not mandatory uh, for that problem to test? Yeah. So anyway, we... I digress. But (laughs) it's something that obviously... It's it's one of those things where people are thinking about it, but nobody says anything because it's just... uh, They figure there's no sense in saying nothing. It's just... uh, it's the elephant in the room. You know, mm. it's no sense in saying nothing. What difference is it going to make? Nobody going to do nothing. So uh, they just, they forget about it. And they, they pass on. We don't forget about things. We, we say something. But what's next on, uh, and, and when, one other thing. When we talk about overcoming, as I presented about, you know, to, to moi, um, you have it in everything. I remember in football, I made a note to myself where the great Emmett Smith, the running back for the Cowboys, he got a dislocated shoulder. What did he do? Popped it back in place <laughs> and put a harness on Yeah. And, and said, okay, let's go. What is it, second or third down?
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh, I mean, there's countless examples of guys... Um, Continuing on, even back to cycling, there's been guys come off their bike, their clothes are ripped off them, they're covered in burns, and you see them crossing the finish line like covered in bandages, which they received while they were riding their bikes as the doctor pulled up alongside them in a car. So let's talk about the Tyson Jones event. First of all, a general overview of the event, a uh, a rap concert mixed in with a weed advocacy movement uh, and some fights. Very um, different than what we're used to in terms of boxing events, I, I, I don't know. I'm curious to hear your thoughts. That's what everyone's here for. What you think I of the event? I,
1: well, I never went to Woodstock. Now I've been to Woodstock. You know, <laughs> I, 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 I mean, uh, this is what Woodstock was like. I guess the, this is the 20s, <laughs> the, the the 2020s version of Woodstock. Okay, um, I,
0: I, okay. Hey guys, today's episode is also sponsored by WHOOP. Check these guys out at WHOOP.com. Use the promo code ATLAS, A-T-L-A-S, for 15% off. I love this thing. I've been wearing it literally 24-7 since the pandemic started when they started working with us. It uh, it tracks heart rate, heart rate variability. critical. Uh, that's a critical variable in terms of your overall recovery and um, sleep performance. It tracks all your workouts, your daily strain and calories burned. Uh, It tracks how well you're sleeping and even gives you a recovery score. It also has the newer feature of respiratory rate, WHOOP's data has shown clear ties between increased respiratory rate and the onset of illness, in particular COVID. This thing, I I know a few people have had COVID and they've said that one of the things that they noticed quickly using the WHOOP before they had any symptoms was that their respiratory rate was through the roof relative to where it is. Respiratory rate at night doesn't vary very wildly. Um, This is a really strong indicator of COVID if you have an increased respiratory rate and can let you know if you need to get tested or when you're otherwise asymptomatic. As a special thank you to you guys, we're going to cover the purchase price of one out of every five people who buy a whoop this week using the promo code ATLAS. Again, just send your receipt to the at hithardmedia.com and we'll enter you into the contest. Again, one out of every five people who purchases a whoop and sends us the receipt to the at we will cover the purchase price for one out of every five purchased.
1: Listen, where do I start? Um, First of all, you know, I don't know to give the good or the middle or the bad first, so let me just, whatever comes to me. Because, again, I I hold myself accountable to trying to understand both sides and seeing both sides. So I'll start with the good. I understand that the Tyson people, lovers out there, they're going to have seen what they wanted to see. They saw their guy. I mean, I think it's pretty obvious that it was preordained that it was going to be a draw. <laughs> that yeah. they told to, you know, I, I can't believe they allowed gambling because I know somebody who bet $200 on a draw and won 1200 So wow. I, I don't know how that was allowed because it was fixed. There's no doubt that was fixed, that, that they said, look, we're we'll making a draw to get around all the complaints about the commission, about it's, it's supposed to be an exhibition, we're breaking the rules, uh, That you know, uh, it's really supposed to be an exhibition, not supposed to be judges, we're breaking the rules, not supposed to be a decision, we're breaking the rules. So that's at least not, the commission must have said, look, don't rub our face in it. We're yeah. letting this go. Uh, make it a draw. So they made it a draw. All right? That's my opinion. But, again, uh, if you guys aren't still in a, in a little bit of a haze from all the smoke that night, you might agree <laughs> with me. A purple haze. Okay? <laughs> all right. All right. Let's get that out of the way. Uh, Tyson, their guy, the people that love Tyson, did what they wanted him to do. That's our guy. He, he beat Roy. He's our guy. And and he beat up Roy. He won. And he did, he won. And he looked good. For them, he looked good. Because they want him to look good. Because he's their guy. You gotta remember. It's kinda like when, when you were a kid and you were flipping cards, baseball cards. You know, some people like Mickey Mantle, some people like Willie May, some people like, you know, uh, you had to, and you're trading cards. That's my guy. He's on my team. That's my guy. No, he's better. You know, Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, whatever. You know, uh, Kobe Bryant, uh, or, uh, you know, Shaq, whoever. Kareem Abdul uh, Jabbar compared to Shaq, the, you know, different guy. But that's my guy. It was about their guy. Tyson represent a part of their life, a segment of their life, that their guy was the baddest man on the planet. Their guy! That's my guy, baby! And if he was around when they were around, that makes their time better than someone else's time because i was around with my guy he was around and he was the best and that was the best time because i was with him and that's what it's about that's a big part of what it's about about their guy and they got what they wanted it's not about context it's not about saying, "Hey, wait! Your guy just beat up a fifty, a half a century year old guy, just like your guy, guy that you know, looked like maybe he could have used a chiropractor during the night, <laughs> right? A little bit,
0: but, um, uh,
1: and and a guy that was a middleweight champ, tremendous fighter, Roy Trump, but he was a middleweight at his best. I know he went to to light heavy, but he was a middle. I know he went up for two for a cup of coffee to. To beat uh Ruiz, jo- for the, Ruiz, some of yeah guy. for the yeah for that for the heavyweight title, and that hurt him because he put that weight on. Some people think he was never the same when he came back down. Got I would agree with that. Toff and and Johnson after that, right? But Roy Jones at his best was a middleweight, and it was a lock that Tyson was going to look better. Now, I'm not being a Monday morning quarterback. I don't do that. Go to the videotape. (laughs) Go to the videotape. You always have tape to prove stuff. Go to our fight plan. I said he would look better. I picked him to win. I, I picked him, I think, to knock out Jones. He didn't do that. But I picked him to win. Why? Because Jones would be hurt more by the deterioration of time and age than Tyson because of their styles. Where Jones depended on athleticism. He depended on speed, timing, quickness. Uh,
0: Reflexes. He depended
1: on reflexes. Reflexes, timing, speed, all that stuff gets eroded, tremendously eroded and damaged by by Father Time, and he was a guy, and I said it, I've said it throughout his career, that was special, Jones. He did things wrong and made them right. The only other guy I knew who did that was Ali. Ali's in his own you know, category, but Ali would drop his hands, pull back, you're not supposed to do that. You're supposed to slip, weave, block. No, Ali did, went to his own drummer did everything wrong and made it right. Special guy, special this and physically genetics. Jones was the closest thing to that. He did things wrong, he made it right. Here's the problem. When you get older, you no longer have the reflexes to make wrong right. And then wrong stays wrong. (laughs) It stays wrong doesn't get transformed into right anymore because you don't have those reflexes and those eyes and timing and you don't have that anymore. and when you have t- when you now Tyson had power like George Foreman, power doesn't leave speed all those other things, but power stays, it maintains it lasts the test of time, more so. so he had that. And, and now some people are going to say Jones was a good puncher, but it was associated, it was connected with speed and with timing. And he's naturally a smaller guy. But Tyson had the attributes, physical attributes, that would stand a little bit of the test of time. Power and technique. Technique. He was taught things kind of like James Tony. James Tony was able to last pretty old he abused himself with his weight that destroyed him going up and down 230 pounds coming back that 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 hurt him physically but he was able to maintain himself at a later age to a certain extent because of his technique was there even when his reflexes were gone and some of the other attributes were gone and that's ken that's what i talked about in the fight plan and that was it that tyson would look better and be better because he was taught technique, and the technique doesn't get dissolved from the the ravages of time. Do not obliterate technique. Technique is taught. You could be eighty, and if you're taught, if you're taught technique, you can still exhibit that technique. You can, what, what changes is to what level you can use it in that arena physically because your physical attributes start disintegrating and leaving you. So what changes is at what level you can perform that technique. Um, at what physical level you're still able to perform that technique. Because of the age that you're at now. Because of the, obviously the erosion of those physical abilities. So inside that arena, how that technique can, how higher level that technique can perform at depends on physically what's left. Uh, And the power stays. So when you can put the power in the technique and that's still there. And like I said, you could be 80 if you take care of yourself, 85. And you still can go out there and exhibit good technique if it was taught to you. That's where Tyson had the big advantage over Jones and was going to look better. Because he was going to be using something that's not going to get eaten up by time. Jones was going to be holding on to something that time took away. And and it showed. I'm not trying to be disparaging, but when Jones hobbled around, you know, hobbled around, uh, trying to, you know, t- I mean, it didn't look good. Because the technique wasn't there. Because it was him still trying to do a, Combination and a hybrid, if you will, of what he used to do and what he could do now. With, with, with no... where to really know where to take it other than, you know, try to... try in, in splashes, in, in spots to try to move and show something that just couldn't be done anymore at this point. Where, again, the technique of Tyson connected with just the physical power can still can still look at a certain level like something that's efficient and it and it did against again people aren't going to put it into context it was done against a guy that we just finished talking about against that kind of guy and uh so in that way, Tyson won. Tyson looked better. Tyson gave the, his people what they wanted. In that way. But if you look at it, the whole picture, in a sober, unemotional way, I mean, you you whew, you, you you saw two. Two old guys that, in some ways, it was comical. You know, I, I'm glad no one got hurt, but I mean, I remember this show, and now I'm gonna give you the other side. Okay, I gave you that. So, sit down now, all you Tyson babies, and sit down and take what I'm gonna give you. Now, with the oh, I gave you that, honestly, but. I remember this show years ago, the Wayman Brothers. I loved this show. It was called In Living Color.
0: (laughs) It was a great show. show. Oh, it was the best. It was
1: a great show. If that that show was still around, that would have been one of the skits for the show.
0: (laughs) Well, it's one of the highlights (laughs) of the fight was Snoop Dogg's commentary, and he summed up the fight perfectly when he said, I'm watching my two uncles fight at the barbecue. That's what it looked like to me is two... Older guys fighting in the street. And I was also shocked at Roy's conditioning. Listen, you don't have to be an Olympic marathon runner, but he was hyperventilating after two rounds. Two two two-minute rounds. He's an experienced... I I was shocked at how... Like he didn't do any road work or something.
1: I sent a tweet out. It's Thanksgiving weekend. We all should be thankful for something. At that point, you know, touching on what you're talking about, at that point, I sent a tweet out. Said, "Right now, I'm thankful for two-minute rounds. <laughs> so we don't have to see what we would see if they had to go three minutes. Yeah, really. You know, I mean, are canes allowed in a corner? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, after, I, I, don't know. But did, did you think that of, I-, I'm ta- I gave him the good? I'm telling you, Roy showed plenty of heart." He showed guts. He got to hit some good hard punches in the body, um, mostly. Uh,
0: I give him all the credit. Did you think that Tyson let up when he hit him with those big shots? I got the feeling when Tyson landed big on him, he kind of kept it to the body and like almost let him tie him up afterwards, Like almost like he got the sense that he might have hurt him. I got that feeling.
1: Listen, let me tell you something about... Could that be? Yes. And let me tell you another thing that could be that's not, that you have to go to a deeper place to to see or understand this. And it's something I talked about when he was in his prime. Tyson wasn't the strongest guy mentally, but he was physically what he was. he was. He was a prodigy. 12 years old, that's what he looked like. Uh, you know, he was already 190 pounds, all muscle. <sighs> and then he got taught. And one of his flaws, it was never physical. It was mental, emotional. Uh, it was being what you had to be when the moment came to be that. To be that warrior, to be that Viking, to be that, you know, samurai to be that guy. And he he never really felt like he was that guy. He was that guy when he was in the lead and when he could have a monster truck to your you know, Volkswagen or regular truck and run you over. Because he was going to run guys over because he was that much better. He was that much better physically. But then when the push came to shove... And he got in there with someone that he couldn't just run over, whether it was Buster Douglas, whether it was Holyfield. I mean, I won't even say late in his career when he was gone. but And it came down to more than physicality, more than explosiveness, more than power, more than intimidation. But when it came down to believing, you want to call it character? Whatever you want to call it. But when it came down to finding a way, getting through, he a lot of times found ways out rather than ways in. And you saw it. If you're, if you're honest about it and you look back in the archives, it's there to be seen. It's there to be seen. You, but what's not as easy to see, and it's, it's touching on what you brought up. Is how he would find ways before it got to the past the breaking point. Before it got past the no return point, where it was too late, he found ways to salvage himself to to hide from those places, avoid those places. He did it in the bone bone crutches Smith fight going back. Now, everybody after the fight called him Bone Clutcher because they're going to blame the anti-hero because the hero was Tyson. He's the guy. He's undefeated. Kid Dynamite, Iron Mike. Really, he's around in our time. He, uh, He's the guy. And when uh, something popped up there, and when... So it's gone now. So when When he fought Bone Crusher Smith, when he got inside and he couldn't do what he wanted to do, which was catch the guy or the guy was still there, he would put his, he would get, they got tied up. Everybody blamed Bone Crusher. Bone Crusher, they nicknamed him to make fun of him. And it's easy. But the truth, it takes two to tangle, number one. It takes two to tie up. You don't want to get tied up. You ain't getting tied up. You take a step back. You rotate your shoulders so your hand comes back. You bump. Whatever. But you don't get tied up. But when you put your hands behind the guy, you're asking to be tied up. You're asking the policeman to handcuff you. Please, handcuff me. There's a there's a bad guy out there going to kick my butt. Uh, handcuff me. <laughs> what? What? You want to be handcuffed? You want to be put in a cell? Yeah, put me in a cell. (laughs) I I don't want what's out there. Mm -hmm. It happens in life. So Tyson in the Bone Crusher Smith fight, he put his hands behind Bone Crusher, and Bone Crusher, well, nine out of ten people, if you're in there with a Mike Tyson who can break your ribs, what are you going to do if the guy puts his hands behind you? You're going to accept that. And you're gonna hold you're gonna clamp down. In other words, you're accepting the treaty. There's a treaty being given without any words being put forward. You're accepting that treaty. I won't hit you if you don't hit me. Silent agreement. I talk about it on ESPN for twenty three years. Somebody else might be talking about it now, I'm not sure. But um for twenty three years i talk about making silent contracts. And there was still traces of that the other night. You know, 30 years later from his best. You know, he's been, a, I know he's retired 15 years. But 30 years later, whatever, from his best, when he did it when he was young, it was still there. That when there was a little bit of, you know, temptation. The devil knocking at the door, Ken, that, you know, a little doubt that, you know, maybe Roy might, you know, if I hit, maybe I don't get rid of him. Maybe Roy comes back. There's a little risk there. I mean, I know it's in the favor of Tyson. He's he's a stronger guy inside. I know. I get it. But it's in here how he feels. And he feels the risk. He feels the doubt. And he makes a decision to give his hands up to Roy. And of course, Roy is going to say, okay, I'll go along with that truce. So there was some of that still going on. It's, it's deep, it's heavy. But it's real. There was still, because you are still what you are. I don't care if you're 90 and you're still breathing. You still are connected to what you are internally in your soul, in your heart, in your mind, in your conscience. You're still connected to that part of you, your temperament. So I think there was part of that too. But again, we're going to be honest. I, I gave you what you wanted, guys, because it was there to give to you. I ain't giving you nothing if it's not there. But it was there to give you. Yeah, your guy... Your guy against this guy won. He looked the way you want him to look, you know, all, all of that. I, but in reality, it was it was a it was a skit where the Heyman brothers would have loved to do it if in living color was still around. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it was. I, I'll go even further, <laughs> uh, but it, it was. Abbott and Costello meet the werewolf. It was Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. Really, <laughs> if, if uh, you go back to those black and white movies with Abbott and Costello, you know, and they did those movies. Abbott and Costello meets Dracula. I mean, <laughs> it, it, it was it was there was some comical stuff there, and the, but you know when there was a tip off when. I knew that Tyson got what they needed and his promoters, all the people that are going to, because this ain't the end. This was the launch. This was the launch to see, can we get away with this? <laughs> can we, we get away with this? If we could get away with this, guys, <laughs> if we can get away with this tonight, guys, we're, we're making a lot of money because we're taking this, we're taking this thing on the road. <laughs> we're taking this thing on the road. If we get away with this, guys, we're, there's no stopping us. We're gonna, you think we made money tonight? Ten and three million, whatever, whatever it was. We're, we're going we're gonna to print money. We're taking it on the road. And that's what this was about. Can we take it on the road? Can we, can we get it to the next? And no one else is going to talk about this, but it, it's true. Can we get to that, that next place? Can, can we take this vaudeville act? You know, from town to town, and the answer is, yeah. Now they can. The answer was yeah, and and you know when I knew the answer was yes, Ken. When? When my man Snoopy, uh, Snoop Dogg, when when he said, when he said at that point, he said, Mike still got it. <laughs> <laughs> When he said that, Mike still got it. Oh, I said, he's in. He's in. I love you, Snoop. He, he's in. As soon as he said, he, Mike still got it. I, I said, that's the, that's the scene from Hangover, the movie that Tyson was in, and Hangover, the first one, where he, he knocked out that drunken guy, whatever. Alan, he, Alan he, Poor Alan. <laughs> Oh God! He knocked. Out, did he ever replace that tooth? Whatever he lost, he knocked out Allen, and and one of his one of his friends said, "He still got it. Mike still got it. Mike's still." <laughs> that's
0: all you needed to hear. Yeah, that's it. Snoop Dogg stole the show. He was the highlight of the whole thing, in my opinion. I, I mean, I'll tell you, I, we, we watch every fight. I get texts from the same. You know, handful of people before and during most of the fights. I got more texts on this. I don't know a single person who didn't pay for this fight. That what that likes boxing. They had to have it was it, it was everyone was talking about it. Um, but again, everyone loves Snoop Dogg as well. His uh, commentary about the two uncles fighting at the barbecue was a reoccurring theme, and I thought that was the perfect summation. I mean, you can go on the internet and just Google street fights and see some really good ones on Star and a couple other sites. But, interesting. Let's talk about some of the uh, undercards. Starting with Jermaine Ortiz from Worcester, Massachusetts against Suleiman Sagawa. It was actually a pretty entertaining fight. But side note, there was actually a belt on the line. The WBC-USNBC title. Not even sure what it stands for, but I can tell you when they put the belt on um, Ortiz, it looked like something my kids made in the garage with felt and a glue gun. I mean, the WBC has given out awards for everything. They gave medals to um, all the undercard fights, I think. And um, man, it's just, if, if I was the legitimate WBC title holder... And I see them handing out belts to uh, you know every other contender in the universe. It kind of diminishes the value of being the actual champion. Anyway, it was a pretty good fight. Uh, curious to hear what you thought about it. Yeah, I
1: mean these belts, you can't take them serious. I mean it's anti-ballistic belt. I think, of was, <laughs> right? Yeah. You know, it's. I'm gonna go back to my cracker jacks line. You know, they, those merit badges, those, you know, those special. Uh, special shields that you got in cracker jacks you know they're, they're about as significant as these belts uh they were better because you got the cracker jacks with it you know so they were better i mean and <laughs> and very similar to what you're saying with the belt whatever you do don't wear it in the shower because the thing had turned like purple you know <laughs> i mean don't don't do that really listen all seriousness. Uh, Ortiz and Sagawa that was the only real fight that was the only real fight I mean uh, you had the former champion butdol Jack yep. but that that never should have been even allowed to be in there with the uh, we'll talk about that in a minute but that was such a such a oh, what a slaughter I I mean it it shouldn't have been allowed the, uh, the California Commission I don't know how they survived with some of the decisions they make over there but that that Badaljack fight with uh with his opponent McKinnon uh, it was terrible uh, McKinnon shouldn't have been in the ring tough kid but it was awful uh, awful mismatch but this fight was competitive and both guys knew how to fight and Ortiz was impressive uh I think he finished it with the solo plex punch, right, with a body punch, he, and it was his, to the solo yep, plexes. Exactly, he, you know, smart, educated punch. Uh, knew knew what he was aiming for. He, he was he he's he's a good looking little fighter, uh, and and he was in with a, you know, with a decent fighter in there uh, with Sagawa, where it was a competitive match. Uh, so I don't need those belts. To really murky the waters of 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 a fight that on the card that didn't have any real fights, at least to have one.
0: Yeah, good win for Ortiz. But uh, to your point on the Baru Jack against uh, Blake McKernan, <clears throat> Baru Jack, just for the record, is coming off eight title fights in a row. Now he is coming off of uh, um, two losses, Marcus Brown, where he got the ma- huge gash in his head and a razor thin. Uh, Split decision loss to Jean Pascal. But even in the fights prior to that, he was in six world title fights, 12 rounders. Now he's in an eight round fight against an an opponent. Uh, No offense to McKernan. I never even heard of him. He shouldn't have been in there to your point. He was literally a punching bag. And Badu Jack just beat him up for eight rounds. If anything, I thought that at points that the ref or the corner should have said, okay, enough is enough. This is such a mismatch. But anyway, take it away.
1: I thought the referee... Might have been angry at him, maybe because of the lyrics in his entrance song <laughs> no really that was I was trying to understand why the referee wouldn't stop and let him continue to take a horrible beating, and I said, well gee i didn't you know maybe he didn't like his entrance song. there was a lot of f bombs being dropped all night long that I could have done without i'm I'm not saying you know i'm I'm any kind of monk or you know." Saint by any means, but you know there's a, that old saying is a place for everything. I I I just didn't see the place to have all that uh, going on, but uh, it, was, it was just a little too much. But hey, it was it was what it was going to be. It was part of the what the festivities, whatever you want to, the 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 night was, and the decisions made by the people who put the night forward. All right, but I don't know. That referee should be asked if there was a real commission there, and I don't think there is, the way that they performed that night and and the decisions they made. They're lucky that nobody got hurt. That's all I can tell you because we didn't get to the Nate Robinson uh, Paul fight yet. We'll get to that you know soon. But they're lucky no one got hurt. And, and they're lucky McKenna didn't get hurt because – it was a mismatch. It shouldn't have been allowed uh, for a guy of the caliber of Jack. Give him, a, give him an easy fight. It happens all the time. I have no problem. Eight-round easy fight. But not not maybe not that easy. And if it is that easy, stop it right away. As soon as you see that it's going down that trail where it's a complete mismatch, and and the guy is just taking punch after punch, with no chance of being in a fight. Start, again, I don't think it should have been made to begin with. Put him in an easy fight with a guy who has some defensive skills, a guy that's not gonna win, not gonna really uh, threaten him, but is not gonna get you know pounded like a piece of veal. You know, getting ready for for the for the oven. You know, uh, where the where the chef is just you know. Uh, pounding it i mean that's what it was like uh it was it was again the referee i i thought he i thought maybe he had something against the guy he said hey, i'll get back at this guy i i didn't like that song it was too many f-bombs and uh i'm gonna let him get punished
0: i, I, I well mission accomplished he let him take a beating
1: again that was just terrible judgment on the commission there uh, it kind of reminded me, I mean, we've seen mismatches. I went all the way back to when Tex Cobb, the heavyweight, fought Larry Holmes and took so many, and listen, give McKinnon his due. What a tough guy. What a tough son of a gun. Okay. But that those guys were supposed to protect from themselves. And, if his people aren't protecting him, then the commission and the referee are there to protect him, you know? And there was no protection. Was supposed to be some. And it reminded me a little bit of, as I said, Tex Cop, the heavyweight that fought Larry Holmes. And it actually, he actually chased, some people probably think he did a good thing, but he chased Howard Cosell out of the business, out of boxing. Howard Cosell was one of the great ringers. Uh, commentators in football uh, obviously in a lot of things and uh, in different commentary positions in sports and he used to do a lot of the big fights and Tex Cobb took such a one-sided beating and they allowed it to go on and on and look great chin, taught. I got it I got it but they allowed it to go on and on with no chance of him winning the fight where Larry Holmes, you know, was just doing what Bolchak was doing to McKinnon. Just anything he drew, he landed. All night. And afterwards Howard Cosell said, um, maybe it was an excuse because, you know, he was he was moving in that direction anyway. He made his fame in boxing with Muhammad Ali, so maybe it was time to exit. But he used that fight as the excuse to exit saying i can't be around a sport that allows this kind of inhuman <laughs> behavior uh you know to go on but it, it reminded me a little bit of that it was it was just uh it was unfortunate I'm, i hope mckinnon's okay uh he behaved like a fighter but he shouldn't have been put in that position to have to do that
0: Well, the last one I want to talk to you about, you mentioned it earlier, Nate Robinson against um, Jake Paul. And, um, oh, my God. I I have to clarify. In the Ryan Garcia clip we put up last week, I said I'm not a fan of this amateur boxing. I I want to clarify. I love amateur boxing. I don't like when guys who aren't boxers get in the ring for these, like, spectacles, celebrity boxing. I mean, you can watch street fights on YouTube. They're they're everywhere. This was a... um, this was scary uh, for Nate Robinson, and I'm sure for his fans and family. But, I mean, when I'm watching it, I'm like, he's had how long to prepare? Did he spar? I mean, it was like zero fundamentals. Everything looked wrong, and Jake Paul looked like, you know, a, 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 he looked like a fighter. I, I don't want to say very technical, but Nate Robinson lunging in, chin up in the air, and Jake Paul just beat the crap out of him and eventually knocked him out cold on his face very scary moment when he was out. I also found it interesting that there wasn't medical personnel in the ring immediately. When when Nate Robinson finally came to and was trying to get up, he was literally like on all four struggling to get up. I mean, at the very least, you think they'd have a stool in there and medical professionals would be tending to him picking him up if it was appropriate to pick him up. He was a mess. And it was, like I said, a very scary moment. Jake Paul also got a uh, WBC medal after the fight. Not sure for what, but Anyway, what'd you see Metals in that Medals
1: fall, right? Medals fall.
0: Yep. Uh, Participation trophies. I
1: think plenty of, they was, I I wonder if they went down to, you know, right across the bridge from me, Canal Street in uh, Chinatown. They got, they got belts. They got belts for everything. They do. They, I mean, again, they might turn green if you if if you walk in the rain with them. <laughs> Don't go out in the rain with them. But, uh. <laughs> There's there's plenty of different belts and knockoff belts, uh, Louis Vuitton, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, Gucci, wh- whatever you want. Uh, I this is a cautionary tale. That's what I'm about to say. You have to stop. Someone's going to get and you you did a good job with it, Ken. Someone's going to get hurt. You have to stop whatever you want to call these matches where, you know, you're putting these celebrity matches on thinking that because you put a guy in who was a good athlete, a great athlete. Nate Robinson was an NBA player, special athlete. I mean, you got to be special to play in the NBA and a small guy his size. So this is a special athlete, special guy. And he won the slam dunk contest. I mean, he's got all those kind of physical attributes. That means diddly squat. When you're getting in the ring with someone who knows how to fight, someone with some experience. Because it's not about the athleticism. It's not about those things that I just gave him credit for. It's about knowing that you can go in a realm that you can go into a place in the ring and control your fear. you It's all about controlling your fear in a fearful place. I can't put it more bluntly, more simply. A lot of people that have never been in boxing, have never, which is most people, never had the experience of getting in the ring, may not be able to understand what I'm putting forward, but it's about controlling your emotions, your fear. It's about being in control in an uncontrolled environment, being calm in an uncalm place, being able to see in a place where it's hard to see, because of those emotions, because of those fears, because of all that going on. You can't take, I don't care what kind of athlete, a Nate Robinson, great, great athlete, you can't take him and put him into that realm, that place where the oxygen is sucked out, where you can't breathe, because the tension of fear, the anxiety is so great, and you've never been in that place. I don't care how many hundreds of thousands of people you have played basketball in front of. You've never been in this realm one-on-one with a guy who wants to hurt you with what that brings forward, what that creates. You have to have experience in that realm to deal with it. Otherwise, you're a blind man. And I mean literally blind. Because you're so out of control. You can't even see things. I'm not saying that Paul is anything great. But he's a guy that learned to box. He took boxing. He's been taking it for a couple years now. I think. I'm not sure of the time span. But he's been sparring with real fighters. He's had a couple fights. At least one other fight. But probably had some other exhibition fights. Uh, He's been in this realm before he's been doing this he knows what it feels like he knows and can identify with what takes place the metamorphosis that takes place the transition of oneself that takes place when you get in that ring the ninjas that come over the walls and attack you and take your breath away take your mind away take your confidence away he understands he's been in that he's put his foot into that into that pool where he understands and he's prepared for that to the level that he's prepared for it he's not prepared with a professional fighter he's not prepared with a quality amateur fighter of of a certain status but he's compared but com, he's prepared Way more than a guy who is venturing into this place for the first time. Completely ignorant. Yeah, ignorant of what is going to take place. What it's going to feel like. How quick it's going to come to him. The realization that he's not ready for this. That he's never... It would be like taking a guy to the moon. And putting him out on the moon's surface and taking his space helmet off where he has no oxygen.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, really, that that's the best way I could get it across to people. That's what it would be like. And that's what it was like for poor Nate. He, it's not that he didn't know what he was doing. I'm sure they taught him basics, jab, step in with your... Your orthodox step with your left foot first with the jab, throw the right hand, let the jab set it up, then throw the right hand, you know, move your head a little bit after your punch, be aware of your range. I'm sure they talk means nothing because he hasn't had that experience of being on that surface without a space helmet on. To breathe what is a whole different kind of air. And it showed, it showed. For you guys that just thought, oh, he didn't know what he, I wasn't what he didn't know what he was doing. He might have known what he wanted to do, but he wasn't in control of himself. He lurched, he ran into punches, lurched into punches. That's what a man does when he's out of control. When when he's, I'm going to be very careful with this. When he's terrorized, there, there, there is an element of being terrorized where you're not used to these conditions. What you're going to feel when you're alone with a man in a ring where, you know, you haven't been drinking. Yeah, I'm being serious. You haven't been drinking. You, 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 the guy didn't insult you or anyone in your, you know, right then, or, or smack you where you just react without thinking, where you just, oh, and you throw back. What happens after that, all right, that depends how tough you are, how developed you are, what you know how to do. But when you get it slapped, boom, you throw back. Or, or the guy insults you, you know, because your anger gets you to that. He didn't have that at that moment. I don't care what they said before the fight. He didn't have, he was alone in that locker room with hours to think about basically going to the electric chair. Yeah, that's what it feels like. That's what it feels like. And in his mind, that's where he went. And that's why he, I don't care, he might have been taught, you might have, if we went back a few weeks ago and saw him in the gym, he might have looked okay on the heavy back, on the pads. I don't know. Sure, he probably did. But, That's why you saw "Ah, you know, lurching forward into punches. Where I tweeted just before it happened, I tweeted Paul doesn't have to do anything. He shouldn't come in because he'll he'll run past him coming in or he'll clash into him. Just give him a little feint and let the guy basically launch himself into one of your punches. Really. I I tweeted that. I said, just feint him, let him launch himself, bang, and catch him a right hand. And, you know, basically that's what he did. So uh, give credit to Paul. He takes the sport serious. He goes out there. and He does training, you know. Um, but his matchmaking, if he's going to continue with it, let's, let's get some guys that have actually been in the ring the way he has. Let's, let's make it a little fair. Let's make it a little and, and one thing I say to my man Jim Gray, you know, we had him on our show. It was a good good interview. Uh it's out there for people that want to see it with Jim Gray with his book, uh, speaking to goats, you know, with the uh all the great from the Alley's Tysons to Kobe Bryant's to everybody that he spoke to. Jim Gray does a great job. He's doing the interview. uh you know, I I wanted to text Jim during the interview and say, Jim can you just remind Paul before he goes any further? Because he was starting to sound like Genghis Khan, ready to take over the <laughs> su- southern hemisphere of 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 the uh, of the world. I mean, I, I want to text him and say, Jim, just remind Paul that he didn't just knock out Roberto Duran. <laughs> you know, I uh, you know, just a little. I get it. We get a little crazy, you know. But just remind them that, hey, you know slow down just a little bit, just a little bit. But it, it was it was it was irrehensible to a certain point that the commission allowed that. Because see what I just finished explaining? They're supposed to know that. I know they're yeah. not going to know it to the level that but they're supposed to know it to a certain level when they make the decision on who fights who. That is their job to make sure that there's a certain level of safety in an unsafe sport sometimes. Let's call it as it is in a tough sport but you do your best to be as safe as possible and it starts with matchmaking. Who's in with who? Because if you have the right guys in, then some of the danger is eliminated because they're both on the same level, whether it's a level of competence or a level of incompetence. They're on the same level. But make sure that the matchmaking ha- makes sense, that, that there's some thought process. And there's no thought process with this California commission. It's ridiculous. There's none. There's none. I mean look at the matches except for that one real match. I'm not talking about the Tyson uh Jones that was the what it was. I I understand that. You know, that was what it was. But these other matches whether it's the opponent they put in there with a former world champion and Badou Jack or whether it's again Paul who they put in there who uh, or, or Robinson, who they put in there with Paul, who had some experience, give it a little bit better thinking before you just allow to just allow people to walk in that ring, yeah, but anyway, it was uh there was a couple I just wanted to. You know, with with the McKinnon, I was thinking I wanted to. I was was. I think I sent a tweet out Uh, when when McKinnon kept taking that terrible, you know, onslaught of punches from from Jack. It reminded me of a guy who used to take punches. Tough guy. The guy, the guy that I'm friends with. uh, He's a. He's really the. Postal boy for tough guys in certain ways, because he's the guy that really was the inspiration for the for Rocky, the Sylvester Stallone's creation of Rocky that made him a museum dollars, and you know became what it became. Chuck Webner, the Bayonne leader, J- uh, tough guy, Fort alley, and that became the inspiration. That's where Wepner got the idea for Rocky. When he yeah. saw Webner, who was a big underdog, supposed to have no shot, and he fights the great Ali, and uh, Ali of course was at the end of you know he wasn't the same Ali, but and he drops Ali, he loses the fight, but he has his moment. He he I think stepping on Ali's foot helped <laughs> a little bit, you know a little bit. But anyway, tough guy Webner, and Webner. He fights Sonny Liston. And Sonny Liston's, I think it might have been Sonny Liston's last fight. Now, Sonny Liston was a great fighter. He's on my top ten of all time greatest heavyweight champs. Of all, I think he's number nine. I got him and Larry Holmes, nine, ten, right around there. And that's a hell of a list to be on for anybody. 10, one of the ten greatest heavyweights in this great sport that goes back so far. So, that's how good Sonny Liston was. Great jab, strong, great puncher, knew how to fight. Oh, everything. So, after the fight, Webner gets stopped. I think he got something like it was bad, uh, maybe fifty stitches, maybe sixty, whatever. And the press is there talking. Webner's on his way to the hospital, and they're talking to Sonny. And one of the press guys asked Sonny, Sonny, would you consider this guy, Webner, that you just fought, the toughest guy, maybe, that you ever fought in your career? And Listen says, Hell no. And the press is like, Well, who? Who on earth would you consider tougher? And Sonny Listen says, his manager, the guy who put him in this fight. <laughs> <laughs> He's tougher. And I couldn't help but think that if there was a press conference afterwards and they would have asked Jack the same question, Jack would have said, no, the referee. <laughs> the, the referee was the toughest that I've ever seen. To allow him to take this. So just wanted to throw that at you, my friend. <laughs> and uh, I also a couple little, you know, nuggets, little nuggets, during the night, when, when they were, uh, I think of Sugar the great Sugar Ray Leonard had made a comment uh, that after that fight that it was a, it was a good fight. And Sanya, who was one of the one of the uh, announced uh, one of the commentators, of course, the great undefeated UFC middleweight champion, he was there, and he he quickly corrected him. He said, "That was a, you know, oh, you know what whooping, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, you know." And um, when when I I couldn't help it. it Leonard's one of the greatest fighters of all time, one of my favorites, but. I I couldn't help it. If I was sitting ringside, I was thinking my comeback when Leonard said it was a good fight. I I I might have said to him, "What what did you think of the Alamo? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, competitive? I mean, uh, you, you know, Custer's last stand. Yeah. Uh, you know, t- t- just a tussle. Uh, c- you know, c- uh, good good tussle, good competitive fight. Uh But I do want to make one other comment about something that was lost. I think it's always a gift, if we can go deep in the sport, for opportunities to understand for the audience that these fighters are human. A lot of times people think they're not human. And I'll tell you what I mean. Where they're different in a way that they're not afraid. Or they were born with a different gene. Uh, in their, you know, in their chemistry, where they don't have the fears or the apprehensions that we all have when we're in situations that bring about those feelings, that should bring about those feelings, that they're devoid of that, of those feelings, and I want people to really know that and understand that to help them. So you don't have to be a fighter. So when you're nervous about talking to your boss or about uh, the test that's coming up that you're getting ready for in school or, you know, whatever it happens to be, your first day on the job, whatever, it's normal. And to understand, it might help you to understand that even great fighters – in this case, his greatest, Sugar Ray Lennon, I think one of the greatest of all time, fits in any any era, any era, that even they have fears and even they think about the unthinkable that we all think about, which is sometimes giving up. Sometimes, you know, and I, I want people to know that, to, that that doesn't make you less, that doesn't make you in a solo universe Abnormal, missing something, too weak to make it. No, it makes you normal. What counts is what you do. But to have those feelings sometimes, it's normal. And if I could tell you that even the great Sugar Ray Leonard had those feelings, the great, great, I'll say it again, that's how good he was. That could be helpful to people. And we had a moment, Ken, we had one of those special moments Where that kind of lesson was about to be put forward in a fight that had no worth, in the fight that we're talking about with McKinnon and McKinnon and and Badoljack. And during that one sided fight, there was an amazing moment. When again, one of the greatest fighters of all time, Sugar Ray Leonard, made a comment, an honest comment. And quite frankly, you're not going to hear these honest comments while they're fighting. You know why? They don't want no one to know. Because it could present a look of weakness. But now years after, they can. Because it's safe. And he was honest, and he made again. It was incredible, and everybody missed it, and I don't want it to be missed. He made a comment off of what Adesanya said. Adesanya said, "I believe that McKinnon is thinking about giving up, even though he, you know, he's taking shots and he and he's solid, and he's he didn't really show that." to the common eye, Adesanya, a great fighter, said, I think that he's thinking about it. He's not doing it, but I think it's in his mind. And Sugar Ray Leonard immediately said that he had been in there in fights. He mentioned the first Iran, the Kamatra fight late in his career, and he started to mention another one. And he was interrupted. He was interrupted by the other announcer. And it was a shame. He should have been allowed to go on and finish that story. It was an important story. It was a story that you don't, you don't hear. You don't hear from the greats. That he had thought about giving up too. In fact, he didn't do it. That's what matters. He didn't do it. That's why he's the great Sugar Ray Leonard. But he was about to give a lesson out there for all of us. That it's okay to feel that way. It's okay for your kids, when someday they're gonna come home crying, Ken, and you've been through it already, and saying, you know, I I don't wanna, uh, I don't wanna go to school, because of somebody picking on them, or I don't wanna, I don't wanna try out for the basketball team because they don't think they're good enough, and. I I feel scared. I feel like quitting. And you'll talk to him. You'll sit him down and say, son, you know, we all feel that way. But you don't give in to it. But the guy that you're playing against, son, he felt that. Really, Dad? You, he did? He looked so sure of himself. Yeah, he felt that way. He felt that way at a certain point in his life, but he's gotten past that, and he doesn't show. You'll get past it too. He doesn't show it anymore. There was a chance for all parents to hear this and for kids to be told the story from the great Sugar Ray Leonard where it confirms it, it validates it, that we are all human, no matter what we present ourselves to be and our accomplishments. And our strengths. And that there's times that we feel weak. And we feel like giving up. But if you don't give up, you'll get past it. And if part of helping you not give up is the story that somebody who's great, who you look up to, felt the same way. Felt the same damn way. As you that would fortify you. That would give you what you need when you're in that situation. And to me that that I know I'm taking it deep, but it was it was there. It was so it was the most important part of the whole night. For me, that was the most That was the most important part of the night. That that story could be told. For a parent to tell their kid that even the great Sugar Ray Leonard felt like giving up once or twice, but he didn't. And he never got a chance to finish his thoughts because he got interrupted and uh so you know what? I figured I would finish him for him and do the surface that he was doing to so many people that could hear it out there.
0: Very good. Well, listen, that's a good place to wrap up that uh, the event, the Tyson Jones event. Um, before we go, though, I want to get your thoughts on an upcoming fight this weekend, and actually a real fight, and a fight that I think a lot of people are looking forward to, pay-per-view event. Errol Spence, Danny Garcia, Saturday, December 5th, at Cowboy Stadium in Arlington, Texas. 11,000 fans in attendance. Um, you know, as everyone knows, fans of boxing, Spence hasn't fought since September of nineteen. First fight since being launched from his Ferrari at high speeds. Incredibly scary. Uh, I think he'd suffered some damage to his face, maybe some teeth, broken jaw. I'm not sure. it has been very hush-hush about a lot of it. IBF and WBC titles on the line. What are you looking for in this one? I'm
1: looking... you You couldn't have put it out there on the table better. I'm looking for how much if at all was he affected by that experience that's what i'm looking for what how much of Spence is still there what Spence will show up is it a is it a new Spence is it a more cautious Spence is it a Spence that has been impacted so deeply by that that accident where You can't help but think there were angels up there protecting him, giving him another chance at life. Does he think now, and does he look back with a different perspective and say nothing's that important anymore? And does that affect him? That's possible. It's possible. Boxing is the most important thing in my life. But maybe now it's not quite as important. Maybe now it's just living life. Taken in a different way now after the experience, I don't know. All I know is the potential to be affected in those dimensions, in those mental. Seventy-five percent of this game is mental. So, the potential to be affected mentally, and emotionally is there. Is there? Where the if you're looking for the old Spence, you might not see him. You might. But you might not. At the very least, I think you're going to get a slow start out of the gate where it's going to take time for him to find himself, to find Errol. Hey, Errol, you there? Really? He might have to talk to himself. We still want to do this if the fight gets tough. We still want to do this? That's The the, the possibility of that, that for me is intriguing. Intriguing. That to me is the is what this fight is about. About that. Now, as far as the opponent, he's got a he's got a high level opponent. He's not coming back. He's not coming back with you know a a, a slam dunk with a layup with a, a hand me uh, Christmas gift, even though it's before Christmas. You know he he's not coming back with that. But he is coming back with a conservative guy who, and Danny Garcia is a counter puncher. His mentality is to be conservative, you know, to place his punches, not to waste nothing. Good counter left hook, you know, that's his best shot. But the temperament, it's the right, if you're going to fight a real quality fighter, which he wants to do, he doesn't want to come back with any of that other stuff. He wants to say, I I'm, I'm, I, I, want to show him where I left. So, he wants to fight a qual. and listen, he was going to fight a one of those guys, because it's those are the only guys he can fight unless he goes down, you know, looking for a real opponent. Those are the only guys he's going to fight as far as quality because they're all with the same company. They're yep. all with PPC with Heyman. <laughs> they're all on that's Crawford's problem we're talking about it some other time more but that's Crawford's problem because he's over there with Top Frank on the other side of the street with ESPN and PBC and Fox and Showtime whatever uh, Heyman has his crew and his crew ain't fighting Crawford so you're not going to see that unless Crawford leaves Top Frank which is possible because we all know what's been going on with the things that Aaron's been saying and Everything else, so it's, it's possible when his contract runs out. But you're not if that's the fight you want, you're not going to see that uh, unless unless Crawford leaves Top Rank, basically, for the most most likely scenario. But this fight, yeah, of course he was going to. If you're going to fight a top guy, it was going to be either Porter. <laughs> it was either going to be Porter, uh, Garcia, uh, Thurman. Those top guys in the welterweight because they're all with the same place. They're all with they're all over there with PBC, where obviously Spencers. So they pick the right one, a, 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 a elite fighter, but a conservative guy, a guy that will give you a chance to get yourself together. That they won't rush you, he won't bomb rush you, he won't blitz you. You know, he won't put it on you. You know, too intense. He'll be what he is. Danny Garcia is a good, smart, for the most part, counterpuncher fighter. If he's forced to go forward, he's being forced to go forward. Like he was in the late rounds with Derman. He tried to make up ground, it was too late. And um uh, he tried to come forward and he did, but it was too late. Uh and what cost him in the porter fight. I thought Danny Garcia won the porter fight. Yeah. If you really have competent judges, competent judges. He won the fight because he landed the cleaner punches, the more significant punch. But they, these judges aren't competent. They go by volume. They just go, whoever he's coming forward, he's throwing. All right, I, okay. All right, give him a round. You know, then you got to have real good judges in a Garcia fight, in in a good fight, because Garcia is not going to do a lot. He's going to do what he thinks he wants to do within his realm of what he thinks is responsible and what works for him. And that's to do just enough, you know, to, to not waste anything. So in that way, they picked the right guy, where Garcia's temperament, his style, will give, He it could be a dangerous fight because he can punch with the left hook and he knows what the hell he's doing. But it could also be the right fight coming back off of what I just described, Because he won't blitz him. He won't, you know, just chuck a million punches at him. He will give Spence a chance, possibly, if he needs it. If he needs it, Kent, give him a chance to find himself, to to sort things out. Uh, At the end of the day,
0: hang on, before you give me a prediction, for the guys at uh, my bookie, check them out at mybookie.ag. Use the promo code Atlas A T L A S for up to hundred percent credit on your opening deposit, up to a thousand dollars. So deposit a thousand, they'll give you another thousand to play with. With that being said, the line is very interesting, Teddy. Minus four sixty on Spence, plus three fifty five on Garcia.
1: Yeah, I think it's too high. I think it's too high. Uh, com- that, coming off everything I just laid out, the circumstances, the level of fighters, I think it's too high. I'm not saying I don't think that they got the right guy as a favorite. I'm not saying that. I just think it's too high.
0: That's exactly what I thought. At three, at plus three fifty-five on Danny Garcia, they got him. They got him priced like he's an opponent. And Danny Garcia is, is a legit, like you said, elite fighter. That seems to be good value with a lot of unknowns around Spence. With the with the car crash, I, I I just think that Errol Spence has such a huge fan base that the fans have pushed that line to like the extremes.
1: I think, as I'm going to give you my pick, but to just to take you to that a little bit more analysis with it, Ken. I think that Spence. Danny Garcia is not going to outwork him. He's not going to, unless something really goes cuckoo, you know, something really, goes, the wires get, you know, short-circuited, which is possible. I just laid it out. But unless those wires get short-circuited up there inside the mind of Spence coming back after what he's coming back from, I don't think a conservative counterpunching. punching Danny Garcia is gonna outwork, and that's why he lost to Porter. I thought he placed a punch. I thought he won a close fight, but they gave Porter credit for throwing more volume, and Porter stole some rounds. I thought with his jab and what he was doing, but I so I don't see the no the if Spence is anywhere near the old Spence, he's not getting outwork. What did it take for Garcia to win is to hurt him, which is possible. I know Spence has a good shin, but it's still possible because Garcia's the kind of guy that can catch you a clean shot, that can hurt you, a a shot that you might not see with a counter left hook, where if Spence is a little bit off, which you got to expect him to be a little off, both of them with the time, I mean, with the COVID virus out there, uh, neither fighter has been obviously fighting. Uh, there's inactivity in all fighters nowadays coming back because of the COVID situation. So with that going on, you can't expect them to be normal, especially at the beginning. So if Danny can catch, if Danny can catch Spence, maybe being a little bit uh, over anxious and catch him with a well placed left hook, he can hurt him. I think he needs to do that to win this fight, to be able to. Uh, even to win a decision. I'm not thinking he's going to knock him out, but just to win a decision. He, he's got to hurt him, slow him down. Because when it comes to punch numbers, I think Spencer's going to be the man in that fight. Having said all that, drum roll, please. <laughs> okay, thank you. Get one of your kids in there to give a drum roll one of these days. <laughs> That'd be nice. They're in school in the garage.
0: Right yeah tell tell them
1: oh, okay all right tell, tell tell that tell that principal that that uh great wife of yours uh that maybe one of these days they can get a break from class and come and do a drum roll for Uncle Teddy uh before he gives his pick we've
0: got a whole band down there guitar bass vocals drums i'll
1: take I, i'll take it <laughs> i'll take it um i'm going to pick Errol Spence to win a split decision.
0: Wow, very specific split decision, interesting. Yes. Yes.
1: Yeah. He's going to have problems. There's going to be some bump that he's going to have to get over. There's going to be some, you know, hole in the road that he's going to have to navigate around. Uh but and he I I'm going to say that he's going to He's gonna start slow. He's he's on a journey. See, for me, the way I would describe, it, if I was still doing the stuff at ESPN Ringside, uh, I'm still doing the Sports Center stuff. So if I do Sports Center for this, this is what I say. This is this is a journey for Spence. He's on a journey to find Spence. That's what this is for me. He's on a journey to find Errol Spence. Don't be surprised if you hear that somewhere on ESPN. <laughs> Maybe not for me. Hopefully they save it and let me say it when I get over there. But that's what this is for me. Is it's 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 the return of Errol Spence, and it's the search for Errol Spence by Errol Spence
0: well there you have it guys go head over to my bookie at mybookie.ag. again use the promo code atlas for a hundred percent credit on your first deposit up to a thousand dollars teddy likes spence in a split decision win um what else what else you got teddy before we sign off we covered a well, lot
1: no we we covered it all ken great job as usual um Tell your family, whoever the drummer is, start practicing. They're going to get a call. They're going to get a call. That call is coming.
0: (laughs) All right. Well, Teddy, have a great week. We'll, uh, We'll speak this weekend before the fights and after, I'm sure. Guys, thanks for being with us. Please, again, leave comments, leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Good to be with you guys. We'll see you next week.